I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. If you can get through this school year, you can literally get through any school year for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. was it was it was that wild. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Well, hello there, Burned In Teachers. Welcome to episode 77 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. This is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. I'm your host, Amber Harper, and I empower burned out teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career in life with my eight-step burned-in process. I'm so glad you're here today, and ta-da! If you haven't noticed, I have better sound. Thank you for being gracious with my sound, as I had been waiting for my microphone to get back from the manufacturer, but as I said in episode 74, you know, I've been doing the best I can with what I have, and it all turned out all right, right? I'm really excited about today's episode. It is for all of you burned and unbalanced teachers, all of you out there telling yourself stories and struggling with time management, boundaries, all of the things that leave you exhausted and feeling like you don't know if you can go on at this pace. I would also say this episode is for those of you who are at a stage two or three of burnout. If you don't know what I'm talking about, jump on over to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz. I'll have the link in the show notes and take my free teacher burnout quiz. You'll get your results immediately and then you'll be sent my stages ebook that helps you to navigate where you are in your burnout and how to begin to move to the next stage. Today I'm going to be sharing with you an interview that I actually did last February. So this was right before the pandemic and the quarantine and virtual teaching took place. And I am telling you what, it's almost like it was meant to be that I'm playing this for you now. Because as you heard in the soundbite at the beginning of this episode, he and his teachers, the year that I had the opportunity to work with them in their building, which actually was not their building because of a couple of extreme challenges, shall I say. Sam, if you are listening, I know you are. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And he will share that story here in this episode. My friends, this is the bottom line. You heard him say, and this was again before the pandemic, that they had a joke in their school that if you can make it through this year, you can make it through any year. And this was before virtual teaching, hybrid teaching, asynchronous teaching, synchronous teaching, all of these challenges that we are currently being faced with. And this is exactly what Burned In Teacher was meant to help you with. So I have a couple of things I want you to think about as you go into this episode. Number one, he talks about himself being a four. So when I worked with his school, I was actually there to help them with um, one-to-one integration, Google Classroom, Google introduction in general. 
But we ended up having a lot of conversations about what being a burned-in teacher was and what it means to go through the stages. And Sam was one of those teachers that just hung on to every word and really internalized and allowed himself to grow through these challenges and to apply what he learned from me, not only about Google, but about time management. Now in the interview, you'll hear him address Out the Door by Four, which I built while working at the school um, that Sam worked in at the time. And I actually requested that he and the teachers that we worked with together uh, go through it as beta users. And clearly Sam learned a lot and applied a lot of what he learned and therefore is seeing a lot of changes in the way that he uses his time in and out of school. Now, Out the Door by Four is no longer its own standalone course, but rather a piece of Pillar 2 of Burned In Teacher University, which you can access as a Burned In Teacher Tribe member. But I'm so excited to announce that I will be leading a free webinar, Out the Virtual Door by Four, on Tuesday, September 8th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we'd love for you to join us. In it, I'm going to share four simple ways that you can take control of your time, leave work, and live your life. So join us by going to burnedinteacher.com slash webinar, and you'll be given instructions on how you can join the live webinar or get the replay for a short time. Okay, so now that you know about the webinar, I wanna let you know there are not going to be any tips and takeaways at the end of this episode, but I do want you to go to burnedinteacher.com, click on podcast, and you can access any of the resources and all of my biggest tips and takeaways from my interview with Sam there. Um, I wanna keep this short and sweet for you, and he drops a lot of knowledge bombs and a lot of really great quotes that I'm going to include in the show notes as well. And I can't wait for you to hear all that Sam has to say about what he has learned about becoming a burned-in teacher and planning and teaching like a coach. One main thing that I do want to share with you that he does say is that you don't fix a flat tire by going faster. In order to improve your reality, you have to stop, take time to think, and plan ahead in order to be as successful as you can be. Let's dive in. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the Burned In Teacher podcast and sharing your story with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. So a little uh, background on Sam and I. I actually had the pleasure and the great opportunity to work with him and other teachers here in my local community last spring, about a year ago. And um, I'm just, I've been, you know, in conversations with you in the uh, Facebook group And it just dawned on me the other day, I've got to have Sam on the podcast to share his story and to just kind of deliver some positivity um, to our listeners today. Because I know, you know, you've shared that you've struggled with burnout in the past and you were just someone that I just really looked forward to working with because I knew you were always going to come from a place of learning and wanting to grow and try new things. And I just really appreciated that about you. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I got to meet you in a very crazy year. Uh, lots of transitions um, with my building. Um, we had an electrical event that displaced us into a very awkward building that fit us but didn't fit us. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we were installing our one-to-one program, and it was just it was a lot of um, it was it was a lot of chaos. But at the same time, like I knew that a lot of people around me were in in flux with their 
kind of their burn in burn out and then to have somebody in the building to be there and actually talk about it but also make them feel more comfortable about wherever they were in their development um i was like you know what you can either buy in and be a be a part of it or you can just be a stick in the mud and everybody's going to remember the stick in the mud so it was a very chaotic year it was a year that would either make you stronger or it would allow you to break right yeah. <laughs> the the joke in the building was if you can get through this school year you can literally get through any school year for the rest of your life mm -hmm. yeah it yeah. was it was it was that wild yeah it really was yeah. and I was supposed to start working with you guys gosh when was it September mm -hmm. I think and I didn't end up getting to uh, to be in your buildings to help you out and work with you all until February yeah and it was because of just it was just chaotic it situation was, it was a fire and then a flood yeah it was and and it was one of those things where we all got to meet you in june for mm -hmm. professional development and we all got introduced to Brennan teacher and we were like and the hard thing about summer professional development is that you get set on fire with all of this all these new ideas and all this stuff and then you have to like hold on to that that heat until you get back in august into your classroom mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, once we got all the devices in the building and once people started practicing some of the things that they had tried out, we just kind of kept having this like theme where it's like, well, when Amber gets here, well, when Amber gets here, when Amber gets here. And then when you finally showed up, it was kind of this, you slowly started to see people around the building that got to work with you and some of the new things that they got to try. And it was like, you could see there was like definitely a transformation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that professional development that we got with you in the building, I think it was like, you know what, while people were already down and struggling with the year, they were able to then have something that's like, hey, when you're down and you're kind of, you know, fighting your way out of the corner, if somebody can give you something, like, you're going to accept it. Like, yeah. you'll take any life preserver whatsoever. So to, like, take something that you were giving us and then try it in the classroom and then see it work, I think also gave people a lot of hope for what we were trying to do during that year, so. And that a lot means of that, a lot. Yeah, yeah thank a, you. A lot of that came over in, into this year, too. So, oh, good. Uh, yeah. You and I will have to chat because we haven't really talked a whole lot about how things no. are going this year. But it that, that means a lot to me to hear that, you know, they looked at it as like a life preserver rather than another thing to do, that it was, it was, it was things that were helpful yeah. to you. So yeah. that's fantastic. Well, last year is behind us. Yes. Totally. <laughs> but I even want to go back further. Tell us a little bit about your teaching experience, Sam. And I know you've been in, in education for 10 years, but kind of take us a little bit through your journey um, to where you are now. Well, um, I graduated from Marion University in 2008. I have a dual degree in theology and education, which was kind of a hybrid thing um, that they had started a little bit before I got on campus. Um, and so I have I have all the classes, all the practice, all the student teaching, all the cohorts and observation stuff that you have to do for an education course and a major. But then I also took classes to professionalize myself with religious education. Mm -hmm. So very niche, um, as, as you would imagine. Mm -hmm. And at the time when you went into education, that was the thing is people said, you know, find a niche. So there were kids going into special ed, there were kids specializing in Spanish and all sorts of other things. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to specialize in this and then figure the rest out later. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
I moved back home, got my first job teaching. I was hired 15 days before the school year started. Um, I had a principal, my high school principal actually sat me down after I didn't get hired for the job that I really, really wanted. And he said, I'm gonna read off the addresses and names of principals in the area. And then you're going to write them on these envelopes. And, I'm, and it was his like personal stationery. So it was kind of like they would think that it was a letter coming from him. And then when they would open it, it was my resume and my, my cover letter. And I sent out like 10 or 11 of those and then just kind of hung out all summer, like freaking out, not being able to find a job. I was like, I'm going to go back and get my master's. Um, got hired 15 days before the school year started. Sixth grade homeroom teacher. I was shooting for high school. All my training was in high school and my student teaching was in high school. I got junior high and I was, I went into it completely blind and just kind of like spent the first few years really trying to figure out, you know, what junior high was all about, what middle school was all about, what teaching homeroom was all about. Cause I thought I would be more of a, a specialized teacher with my own classroom and the kids would just come to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it ended up being like way, way, way more. And that kind of started me on my journey of where I am now because my first few years with them being rough and when I say rough every teacher knows what what I'm talking about it was all the things they didn't teach you in college times 10 plus the you don't know anything about really the community that you're getting the kids you're getting the parents you're going to deal with the staff that you're going to work with the administrators you're going to work with every one of those things is either a um like an open door or a hurdle. Mm-hmm. So like some of these things end up being really good connections that you make. And then some of them end up being like really big challenges. So I probably, I stayed at that school for five years and I really started getting the burnout when I was probably in year five. And it wasn't so much that I was burned out. I had fallen in love with teaching my third year and I was really starting to cook with gas in the classroom. And my principal would always tell me, you know, you're, we can't touch you in the classroom because you're so good and you know your content so well and you're so good with all your best practices, but it's the other stuff that we have to work on. And I never really got a good enough grasp on what all of the other stuff was. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of it was just stuff like, um, you know, or a lot of it was organization. Some of it was, um, you know, keeping on task with lesson plans and grading and things like that. But a lot of it was things that in my mind were at the time pretty menial. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put them at the front end of my list of to-dos. They were always at the back end of my list of to-dos because I wanted to concentrate more on my classroom content and my students and putting together, you know, um, activities and, and things like that would keep my kids engaged and make sure that they were learning mm-hmm. and that other stuff I was like okay well I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it and <laughs> you know some administrators love it some administrators hate it mm-hmm. um but in my fifth year I kind of started experiencing that burnout because I felt like I had 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 put together a few years of really good teaching in the classroom and I didn't feel I didn't feel valued and I didn't feel um I didn't feel like the people in the building were really getting that I was feeling that I was successful, Mm -hmm. but I knew that the students thought I was being successful and I knew the parents thought that I was being successful, but I didn't really feel, I didn't really feel the love from other places in the building. So that kind of 
that kind of started eating away at me. But at the same time, that building was going through a transition. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, I could stick around for some of this icky transition from becoming one school into two schools and people having to reapply for jobs and things like that. And the new school I was going to go to wasn't a really desirable location for me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started peeking over the fence and found some pretty cool opportunities with rugby, which is my other passion. And I was like, you know what? I've done this for five years. I thought I was only going to do junior high for three. And then I was going to try to find something else. And so I was like, I put five in here. I felt safe enough um, to, to explore the options. And I ended up getting a really great job and did that for three years. And just kind of thought teaching's in the background. Mm-hmm. So just kind of just went and did that for a while. Still kind of had my, it, I, I didn't know what brand, teaching brand was yet. Mm-hmm. I had kind of developed it and not known what it was. Mm-hmm. So when I came back to teaching, that's when I started catching all the pieces where I was like, oh man, when I taught before, these are things I had problems with. So I kind of started approaching things a little bit differently. And it took a couple of years at my current school for me to really be as comfortable as I have been this school year. And now I feel like when I walk in the building, I know what my process is. I know who my people I have to deal with are. And I have a, I feel like I have a place in the student's day. And I think that's a lot of that's attributed to me taking all of my experiences that I had before and kind of putting them into order that works for me. Mm. Yeah. I love all of those details about, you know, all of your takeaways from, from your years. I think it's really important that you, that you keep those things in the back of your mind because those are lessons learned that you can continue to grow from, even though it's years down the road, right? Yeah. And I mean, I kind of compare it. It's weird to compare it this way, but I do it because it makes sense. When you leave a job, it's like a breakup Mm -hmm. and it was a relationship. It lasted for however long it was, but you don't get to go back to that school and get closure with the people you worked with and the students that you had, but you have all the things that you took away. And then you also have these little nuggets of affirmation that you pick up after you leave a building, when you run into a former student or a former parent or a former coworker, and they're like, Oh my gosh, when you left, we missed you so much. Or a student that says, you know, I really loved your class. You were my favorite teacher. I really loved when we did this activity. Like when you pick those things up, it puts these little these little thoughts in the back of your head like, oh, I really was doing a pretty good job. I wasn't a complete failure like I thought some days mm-hmm. when I left the building. So, I mean, you start to pick up on those pieces and reflect. And then also at the same time, when it comes to best practices and being your own teacher, you figure out after a few years what works and what doesn't work. And I think that was the most valuable thing is that I can pick up a lesson plan and I can sit inside of it with my students for 45 minutes and I can tell whether it worked or not at the end, mm-hmm. instead of letting them leave the room and being like, gosh, I hope some of that stuck. Like, <laughs> what just I, happened here? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I think that worked. It's like when you get, <laughs> it's like when you have an observation and they mm-hmm. leave and you're like, that is not what I planned on any of that going that way. Uh-huh. And then like your principal looks at you and goes, well, wow, that was a really great lesson. And you're like, yeah, it was. Yes. Like, okay. yes it was. Yeah, You're it welcome. was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your burnout. I mean, how did you know that you were going through burnout in year five? What were some signs and symptoms that you had? And um, 
What were some things that you actually did about it? My burnout started when I noticed when I got into the classroom, I wasn't prepared every day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's be honest, teachers know this. Like, it's, I'm not, it's not a trade secret. We're not prepared when we walk in the classroom every day. Mm-hmm. We're humans. We have lives. There's things going on that, that are sometimes in control or out of our control. You don't always walk through those doors knowing what everything's going to be from eight o'clock to three o'clock. Um, but I started noticing that those days didn't just become like spread out and like peppered in through the month. Like I was tying them on like two, three, four days at a time and just coming in the room and just going straight into survival mode at eight o'clock and making sure the kids stayed uh, as on task as possible as I could throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I relied on all of my textbooks and all of my masters more than I relied on any of the other things that I like to explore. and that kind of got me into the position where I was just like, I don't know, just kind of punching in and punching out. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really anybody in the building to like kick me in the butt, but there were people in the building that would help me think Mm -hmm. and would help me like, like put things through my brain that I was like maybe afraid to put through my brain. And I would see other people in the building getting their masters or exploring other job positions or thinking of new ways to set up, you know, their futures and things like that. And that would make me think like, okay, you, you know, you don't want to do this forever. So what's the next steps? Mm -hmm. And so you start exploring, do I go back and get more certifications? Do I go back and get more licensures? Do I go back and get my master's? Do I change professions completely and try something completely different? And I explored all those options. And the ones that were more complicated, I just got rid of right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I, if anybody's listening right now and they're thinking about doing something else in the building and letting their license expire, do not let your license expire. It is much easier to keep it and do your PDs and just keep that license forever. Um, I thought it was more like a bartending license that I just had to pay a couple bucks and renew pretty easily. Um, And since I was teaching religion, I didn't have to have my license to do that. And I let it expire. So when I went back to get it back, I'm a teacher already working in a classroom Mm -hmm. full time. Mm -hmm. And I was told by colleges that I had to do student teaching all over again. (gasps) No. Yeah. And the experience of student teaching is not fun. No. But then to have somebody tell you when they already know your full-time job is being in a classroom with children five days a week to tell you that you have to student teach again was like, just didn't make any sense to me. And then it was like, well, then you have to convince them to let you student teach in your school. And then you have to go like down the hall and student teach on your prep periods in someone else's classroom. And you're like, okay, this is, this is too, too much to wrap my brain around. It's a lesson learned, huh? Yeah. So definitely. How long did you have to do that? Um, I would have had to have gone back to school for two full years to do that. And I wouldn't have gotten a master's because transition to teaching wasn't a full thing yet. Mm -hmm. And it was still really rare. So it wasn't available locally and there was no transition to teaching programs online yet. And it was just like, okay, this isn't what I'm going to do. And then financially, I was like, I didn't even know how to figure out my master's financially at the time. So one thing I did try is to get my master's um, through a program that the diocese that I work for has. And I got into that and 
a couple classes in and it was just it just wasn't my makeup the people in there weren't my people the classes were a little more complicated than I was ready for Mm -hmm. and I was just like and there wasn't a guaranteed end goal uh, with that master's so I was like I'm just taking these classes for because they told me to not because I wanted to so I kind of you know, because I think, I think we end up doing that when we're mm-hmm. like, okay, I got to have a next step. And then someone offers you an option and you don't want to say no, because you don't want them to never offer you that option or another option ever again. So you just right. do it because you think, okay, if I go ahead and I do this, maybe I come out in two years and then you're ready with a job. Yeah. So yeah. it seems like there's, there's this overarching theme. And even in, you know, when you told me what it was that you kind of wanted to make sure that we talked about today, mm-hmm. um, it, you come back to organization and mm-hmm. um, staying prepared. And you even mentored, mentioned, and I promise I did not um, tell him what to tell me he wanted to talk about, but you even mentioned out the door by four as something that has really influenced you, you know, as far as simplifying processes. And, um, you even kind of, uh, weaved, wove, (laughs) you wove in this idea of branding yourself Mm -hmm. within simplifying and, and having this mentality, this out the door by four mentality. So tell me a little bit about that and how that's affected you and your organization and your brand. Well, before I was introduced to out the door by four, which I kind of saw you put in together the skeleton part mm-hmm. and then got to see the final product and be kind of one of the, um, I guess the rookies that got to try it out. Mm-hmm. You were um, part of the beta. Yeah. I was, I'm one of those beta kids and I'm like, all right, let's <laughs> see what we can do. Um, before you started on out the door, when you first said out the door by four to me, I was like, yes, <laughs> we, we need that. And when I said we need that, I meant every teacher in the world needs out the door by four because this this job can be such a such a gauntlet and such a meat grinder. And the people, the buzzword is work life balance, mm-hmm. and I don't think that there is such a thing as work life balance. Nope. I think that it's life life balance, mm-hmm. and if you're going to sign up to be a teacher and you're going to walk into a room full of kids every single day and get paid what we get paid for it, that's your life. That's Mm -hmm. not, it can't be work because if it's work, it gets icky. And then when you leave is you, you, you carry too much of it out with you. So before you hit on out the door by four, you suggested a book to me and I'm one of the people that when someone says, you know what book you should read? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what book? (laughs) <laughs> and they suggest it, I write it down and I research it. And I actually think to myself, like, is it a book that I really want to read or not? And you suggested the 12 ah, week the year. 12 week year. And I poured through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And all I could think to myself was, why couldn't I have had this book five years ago mm-hmm. and reconditioned all the things that I do. And I kind of read half of it and put it down. And then when you gave me out the door by four, you have a whole section on suggestions that you get from the book. And I was like, oh, I got to finish the book. <laughs> so I spent some of the summer finishing the book and talking to some of my friends that I would consider organized. Mm-hmm. And I basically redid my process. I planned out my year. I didn't, I, what was really nice is that we already have a year that's split into quarters, but I also have a year that's split into seasons where I have my 
coaching commitments that exist in the fall. I have coaching commitments that exist some in the winter and then the spring. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to see where all of those things matched up. I'm a technophile by trade. Mm -hmm. I love technology and I love what technology can do, but I also have a lot of respect for what, um, like what you can do with like the old methods. Like I can see your post-it notes and I, when you do your post-it notes, it makes me think like, I need a moment and I need a space where I can do my post-it notes and I can just live <laughs> like in like people, my office is in such an awkward location, but if people would come in, in like December, or August, when I'm doing my big plans and they could, would see like what all I've got going on up there is like, they would completely be like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm planning, I'm putting mm-hmm. together a year. So I could, so I have something to fall back on mm-hmm. and I'm not just flying by the seat of my pants. So that got me to about the end of June and I started planning. I was all pumped for the year. Um, I revisited a whole bunch of the portals that we had put together and some of the things that I wanted to try in the classroom. And then unfortunately I tore my ACL right at the beginning of July. I saw that. Yeah. So, you know, but this is why we make a plan. Yes. Right. this This is exactly why we make a plan. So I had my ACL surgery on the first day of school. So while all the other teachers were starting their school year and doing their, this is how Mr. D is going to do his classroom stuff. I wasn't there for, um, until after Labor Day. I didn't see the kiddos until after Labor Day. Mm. And, but when I walked in the classroom, walked in, when I crushed (laughs) into the classroom, um, I had a plan already Mm. and I felt good about what I was going to do. And I knew how the year looked. And we just, we just started rowing the boat on day one and we got through seven units in all three classes. Um, at the end of January, my kids are loaded with all the content that they need. And then we're spending all of February, March, April, and May on application. Mm -hmm. And I feel, I feel like way more is sticking this year than it ever has any year before, because I can see the year like. I can see the weeks and I can see the quarters and I can see the year all at the same time. I know how my sixth graders are going to transition into seventh grade. I know how my seventh graders are going to transition to eighth grade. And then I've also pulled down from ninth grade. Gonna need next. And I've taken that. I'm declining. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, no, that's good. Actually, that sound is better. <laughs> so what we're doing here is. I'm making sure that my kids have bookends and I know that they're going to get things accomplished. And before we walk out the door in June, I know exactly what content they got. Mm-hmm. And I have a curriculum that's a little, it's a little lean. Um, it could use some, it could use some love. And I was waiting for a really long time. The year I was hired, the curriculum was new. Mm-hmm. It was its first year for its existence. And I'm 10 years down the road. It needs, it needs some TLC. And I was like, why am I waiting for somebody else to beef this up mm-hmm. when I'll, I could just do it myself? Mm-hmm. I know this content. I know how to deliver it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find the content and I'm going to deliver it myself. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've, I've put my year together on that. On top of this, I got to walk into the classroom with Google Classroom ready to go for me and ready to give it to my kids. And when I got there after Labor Day, I knew Google Classroom in and out and was ready to hit the ground running with it. They need 
they need a lot more than I'm, I'm than where I'm at. Their their burning stage is not my burning stage, mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the other reasons why I would consider myself a four, because mm -hmm. I'm pulling people up the ladder with me instead of looking up the ladder, being like, how and how did you get there? That's a that's a crazy way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it comes to my out the door by four, I did it uh, in June of last year. Mm -hmm. and I lived it and I was sitting on top of it and everything and then I didn't look at it for so long like two or three months and then mm -hmm. when I got back to school I was like oh my gosh I have all this I have all this ready to go mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe it and then so here's my week I make sure our lesson plans used to have to be due on like Thursday or something like that I'm and now they're due on Sunday evening I still keep keep Thursday evening on my plate as the day that I want everything done mm -hmm. um I'm our religion teacher, but I'm also our technology coordinator. So outside of my classroom responsibilities, I've got to make sure that other parts of the building are running really well. Mm -hmm. Our copiers, our internet, I run our count, some of our calendar stuff. So I split all of those things. Every day has a different thing that I have to get done. I've got something I have to have done before eight o'clock every single morning. Mm -hmm. I have something that has to get done before 3.30 every single day. And then if that stuff is done at 3.30, if my lesson plans are ready to go, if tomorrow's stuff is done, if things are graded, I leave. Mm -hmm. And I feel really good about what I did. Does that happen often? Um, I would say uh, it happens a lot more often than it would have a year ago. Mm -hmm. A year ago, I would have been sitting at my desk at 5.30 or 5 o'clock and been like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late for practice because I've been sitting here trying to figure this one thing out or finish up this, these emails or finish up this grading. And you just like, you're just, you're just sitting in your own filth almost <laughs> when, <laughs> when you could, when you could just, when, when you, you put it that say, way. Ew. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's an ew. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I first came into the teaching profession, I didn't want to be the teacher's car that was there at six o'clock at night when somebody was like cutting back across town on a target run or to grab dinner for their families and they see my car still in the parking lot and it's mm -hmm. like oh well Sam's single and he doesn't have anything else going on so he just stays at school till he said I mean I don't want to yeah. be a Spencer teacher like no. it's not that's not my style it's not my brand no um and you don't so have that's to that's what's funny is that sometimes people try to I remember I, even even in my 12th year teaching, you know, there were new teachers in the building and you would see them wearing that label of, well, I'm young, I'm single, I don't have a family. And they would get into these habits of just accepting that that's just the way it is. I just work all the time because I'm young and I'm single. And what else am I going to do? Those habits are hard to break. Mm-hmm when you do find that someone or you do have a, have a family um, or you finally just start to say, is this it? Is this what it's like? So it's not, I mean, obviously you can break those habits, but it's really hard. And of course you have to have somebody in your life that pushes you to believe, think, and, and do differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can't plan, uh, if you can't plan a quarter's worth of work for your students, like you can plan a wedding, and you gotta you gotta rethink how you're doing your work. Yeah. Because I see people do that. And I mean, honestly, I don't know. I I'm sure you got some male listeners. I'm not the only one out there, but being single and being a teacher is not it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the first things that 
you hear somebody talk about is like, oh, you guys don't get paid very much. And so you start thinking things like, I'm not a very desirable catch for somebody out there. Mm. So, I mean, that's kind of why I worked on my brand though, because Mm. if I was going to be a good teacher, I also want to be a good person and be Mm. a good catch for somebody down the road. And Mm. I mean, that's why, that's why I say there's no work-life balance because if somebody wouldn't love me for the teacher I am in the classroom, then they're not going to love me for the person that I am outside of the classroom. Wow. That, that's a, that's a knowledge bomb right there. (laughs) You know, honestly, because, you know, this goes back to, if you want to change your brand, you know, outwardly, you first of all have to change your brand in your own mind. And what's really interesting about what you just said is that people plant that seed of a belief in your mind that, oh, you don't make that much money. You start to say, oh, I don't make that much money. And you start to then start seeing things from that perspective when you don't have to accept that as the truth. You, you actually have a job that is very family friendly if you choose to believe that you have, and again, you're already taking the steps to create that life-life balance that you have there to say, I can do this incredible work in my, in my classroom, and then I can go home and hang out with my friends or not be rushed to practice um, or um, go on that date, you know, or be home with my family someday because you have planted the seed in your mind that this isn't, this isn't just my job. This is part of my life, but it's just part of my life. It isn't my life. Teachers make the best spouses. Yeah. Teachers have to make the best spouses mm-hmm. because um, one, I've got Christmas break, spring break, summer break. Yes. So if you want to take a trip, we can take a trip. But if you've seen me plan, I can plan a mean trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Teachers have yeah. some of the best qualities for being good at so many things just from their day-to-day life. You know, you just yeah. learn yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I'm telling you, if you feel like you are not good enough to do anything else other than teach, you are sorely mistaken. And if you believe that you cannot take your skills as a teacher and use them in other parts of your life, oh my goodness. Now, number one, it comes down to your habits. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you have the habit of, yep. you know, tagging day after day after day of surviving and just kind of, you know, skipping through the day, you know, with whatever comes, then, you know, that's another story. But my goodness, I'm so glad that you shared those things. So what would you say to somebody who is um, feeling the burn right now, feeling at a level zero or a level one, um, and they, you know, whether or not they're struggling with organization or whatever their reason for burnout is, what would you tell them to do? Um, This answer kind of comes from my coaching background. Mm-hmm. And if you have a really bad season and you only win a couple games and the kids are really not sure whether they're going to come back the season, the next year, you need to look at like what your player retention and what your game planning and your practice planning is like. And the best way that I stood, I would do that is I would reach, I would find out who won the state championship that year mm-hmm. or who had a really good year in the area. I'd reach out to that coach and I would ask them what they were doing, like what their sauce is. And the good coaches that are out there and the good teachers that are out there, if you ask them what makes them a good teacher or what makes them a good coach, they're going to share that information with you. And if they don't, they're going to tell you where to go or who to talk to. Like even the grumpy Gus coaches that I've worked with, they can at least say to me, well, you know who, you know who I really get a lot of stuff from, you know, this coach at this university shares a lot of great content on his Facebook or Instagram page. 
like people, people share resources um, in the coaching world and the teaching world. Like we are resource driven people and we beg, steal and borrow, whether it's copyrighted or not, we make a way to make everything happen inside of our classrooms. And if you know that somebody across the street is doing a good job, why not ask them? Mm-hmm. And so I think the number one thing you have to do is you have to collaborate. Um, you've got to, and then if collaboration gets a little stale, then mix up your collaboration. I coach one sport, but I collaborate with other coaches from other sports because we all have the same goal. We're training and preparing athletes for a common goal. And we're, we're basically working in the same industry at the end of the day. The mm-hmm. same goes with teaching. I teach religion. There's not a lot of uh, teachers pay teachers accounts for religion teachers uh, swinging around out there. So I have to look at social studies. I have to look at English. I have to look at other um, technology programs. I have to look at them to figure out how I can find new best practices and new ways for my kids to learn things and put those in my classroom. Um, Otherwise, I would be stuck with some really... Um, I guess outdated Sunday school driven, you know, ideas about how to get things across to my kids. But, you know, um, it's big idea, big planning, big outcome is what it has to be when you're when you're really trying to work towards a, a goal with your students. Um, I would say the other thing, if you're experiencing burnout, if you can't lean on the people in your building, um, lean on your kids. Mm. They have they have more um input for you then you probably are comfortable to have but i mean i can have an exit survey on a friday and be like hey what went really well this week with our classroom what's not working in our classroom and what would what's something you guys really enjoyed that we need to keep doing mm-hmm. and you might find out things that you had no idea were even out there or yeah, all you have to do is you, ask yeah Oh, you just have to ask. I mean, and people, I I think people are afraid of feedback because they're afraid of being criticized Mm -hmm. and they're afraid that the, they're afraid they're going to find out something that they know is broken is actually broken. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, is like, you don't fix a flat tire by driving the car faster or further. You have to actually stop, get out of the car and fix the tire. And if you've got a classroom of 25 kids, there's 25 possible agents of feedback in your classroom. If you've got a staff that you work with of 30 people, there's 30 people that you could get feedback from. And if you're not, if you're not comfortable enough in your teaching process, because that's what out the door by four really is. It's a teaching process mm-hmm. and it's where you are going to put all your information and all your lesson plans together. And you're going to finally, you're going to analyze all of it when it starts coming back in. If you don't use all of that feedback that you get at the end of that, if you don't use that to go back the next year or the next lesson plan, Mm-hmm. and start to hone your skills and become a better person in the classroom and a better person in life, then, you know, what, I mean, that's too burned out. That's, yeah. that's, that's, too, yeah. that's too low. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that because I've talked to several people who, um, and in different, in, in different parts of the profession that say, you know, I know that I should ask for feedback, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what yeah. I'm going to hear. And it is hard. Uh, it is hard to hear sometimes people's honest opinion. Um, and, and when we say criticism, I think that's where we get to choose also how we're looking at that feedback and how we're mm-hmm. looking at, at how people are um, approaching us about how we can improve. Because we could take the stance that it's criticism, but 
we have to choose to look at if we're going to use the word criticism to use it as constructive and then decide whether or not it is valid. And then, you know, maybe ask somebody else's opinion. Hey, I was told this, do you agree? You know, so then being brave enough to continue to use that, that quote unquote criticism or that feedback to, to validate it, to, you know, do a little bit of research um, on it. So I'm confident. If you're confident enough in your brand, you're going to be able to tell good advice from bad advice, good mm. feedback from bad feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people, they are going to give you bad, people give you bad advice and yeah. you need to be able to identify that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the advice and feedback you get, maybe you need to get advice and feedback on that from other people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's filtering out the good and taking it and making it work for you. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting about what you say is that, you know, out the door by four or any planning program, it's, it's not best practice to have every single piece of every single day planned for your kids. Of course, they need to have some voice and some choice within that. But what you're doing with, with planning the way that you are and with asking for their feedback, you know what to change for the following week, or you know what to change up or add for the following, you know, the next time that you do this lesson or a lesson like it. So it's Mm -hmm. not just about feedback from your peers, but feedback from your students as well. Yeah. And I mean, they're your customers. If I was running, uh, if I was running a company, my customers are my students and my parents. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like the product that they're getting, they'll tell you, they will let you know. Love it. Yeah. And especially like, I'll try a couple different types of note taking, um, Mm -hmm. avenues for my kids. And then when I start a new unit, I'll say, Hey, did you guys like in unit three when I gave you fill in the blank notes or did you like in unit four when I gave you terms and then presented you with definitions and you guys had to make connections on your own? Oh, and they'll it. be like, Oh, we liked it. We liked it a lot better when we had to figure things out on our own. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, great. That's what we're going to do for this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You and get, I know, you, sorry, go ahead. You get two things out of that. One, it's something you know how to do and something that you can make for them really easily. And two, you get buy-in because they think they had a choice. They were gonna learn those. They were gonna learn that stuff either way. But now yeah. they think that they're learning in a way that they picked. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff that I've really had success with this year. Yeah, people buy into what they feel like they had a say in. You know, I mean mm-hmm. that's, and and why not? You know, why not give people a voice to say what they want, and you create something out of that for them? I mean, whether or not it was pre-planned or strategically placed or, or whatnot, you can still, you can still value their voice and show them that they matter. So Sam, we need to wrap up for today. And my goodness, <laughs> in my notes here, while we're, while we're talking, I wrote quote heavy, you have got such fantastic, such a fantastic way of putting things. And I, I really appreciate you laying it all out, you know, what your process is and what it went, you know, how, how you changed from, you know, year year four, you know, to now to year 10 and how you're utilizing, um, utilizing your brand to continue to grow. I think that's fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. I really appreciate everything you're doing because you are a single brand and it's a brand that everybody needs to get introduced to because we've all experienced burnout and it's time to get burned in. It is. It's time to change the conversation. You've really helped us do that Mm -hmm. today. So um, tell people really quickly, what's your handle on Instagram so they can follow you, watch you play rugby Uh, and all the fun stuff you do outside of school. (laughs) You can see my non-teacher brand as much as you want at Hoosier Prop. (laughs) Hoosier Um, Prop. I have Hoosier Prop. You'll find me. Okay. 
All right. Well, Sam, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. I cannot wait to share your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.